This morning we are going to continue our sermon series on The Best is Yet to Come, which we started a few weeks ago and uh, we're going to continue this week, our third week, uh, today as we talk about the need for transforming our leadership, which will lead us into uh, our time of uh, dedication. But for now we're looking at transforming our leadership. Why is it worth looking at? Because while we do have plenty of examples of good leadership today, we sadly, unfortunately, have plenty of examples of poor leadership today. I know what you're thinking. Why are we looking at leadership? I mean, what, what, I, I'm, I'm not a leader. That, that's not going to apply to me. Well... That's where you're wrong. I think we're actually all called to be leaders. Some of us are called to be leaders with capital L's, but some of us are called to be leaders perhaps with a lowercase L, and each one of us has a space and a place to be leaders in our lives. Leif Erikson said this, We are all leaders, whether we want to be or not. There is always someone we are influencing, either leading them to be good or away from good. And so we have been looking at uh, the book of Malachi and we're looking at Malachi chapter 2 and we're picking up some verses between 1 to 7. If you had a look at the end of chapter 1 last week, there was plenty of criticism for priests the spiritual leaders of their community uh, back in, um, in the newfound Jerusalem as Jerusalem had been restored from exile. They had been uh, doing bad practices, had been influencing others in the wrong ways and so as a community they weren't going about things in faith with Christ in the right way. And this week in chapter 2, especially this first half of chapter 2, it focuses on the priests, not necessarily about the actions, but their roles as leaders and how they had come to lead others astray. So, right at the start of chapter 2, I might put it as a bit of a, a, a slap in the face to the priests that God says these words. And now this admonition is for you, O priests. If you do not listen and if you do not set your heart to honour my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honour me. In here, it's a pretty heavy start, I know. Two things are made very clear in these words. The priests' roles as leaders in their community was to one, honour God, and to two, bless the people. But unfortunately they had gotten away from that and and their motivation had become something of self-interest instead of the interests of those. The thing that those have in common, those two things, 
It reflects that God wants leaders to be motivated by the interests of others. Whether that be the interest of God or interests of those they're serving, it's all about others for leaders, not about themselves. I had a bit of a laugh about this because I, I think I think when it comes to that sort of leadership, we don't really have good examples. Certainly if we look at, to our governments, uh, not just here, I'm sure, governments all over the world, when it comes to the agenda they're putting forward, sometimes what they are trying to do for the nation and what they're doing for themselves is often a bit of a competing priority and, and sometimes we find that, uh, that our politicians are more interested in putting forward what will get them re-elected as opposed to what they think is best for the nation. Well, if we push this forward, we might not get re-elected. We might change how it, how, how it seems to go. It's actually been the same over decades in the leadership of the church. Whereas so many times where we've had the chance to exercise good leadership, when so many leaders have been motivated by self-interest and self-protection uh, to cover over things for their own sake, that instead of leading for the sake of others and for the sake of God, they've led for their own self-interest as well. We haven't had lots of good leadership over recent history in this way. Even in the church over a long period of time, we haven't had good leadership in this. Verse 3 to 4, it reflects the legacy that we as followers of Christ now are forced to live with a little bit. It says this, and this is about the leaders. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the offal from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. You will know that I have sent you this admonition, but take note here, so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. It sounds a lot like the fruit of what we're receiving resulting from the leadership of others in the past. But one of the really great things here is this is where transformation can come from with leadership. Our leadership has a chance to lead us out of this so that we can get back to the way that God wants us to be. And it says here, despite the consequence of the past, God gives that consequence so that there would still be the promise of that covenant with Levi, with the priests, with us as leadership, with each one of us who has opportunity to be leaders in the lives of people around us, for that covenant to continue. The only way that this is possible is through the forgiveness that God brings. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. 
we don't deserve the opportunity that we have still, that we find ourselves in community here, in this country, in this world. We, we don't, because of the actions of others, don't necessarily deserve the opportunity to forge our way back into this community, to show them the love of Christ. But God continues to give us that opportunity. No matter how little the mistakes we've made or how big the mistakes we've made, grace is the way that God has given us that opportunity. Now, I'm going to pose the question. We'll see if anyone can guess. Can anyone guess who these, uh, what these four people have in common? We have Cristiano, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Lele Pons, Selena Gomez, and Narendra Modi. Uh, we've got a sports sportsman, a video blogger, an actress and singer, and an Indian, Indian Prime Minister. Can you guess what these four people have in common? Let, let go for it, Alan, what do you reckon? Have they been charged with tax avoidance? Have they been charged with tax avoidance? No. <laughs> no. They all have tattoos. Uh, I have not researched them well enough to be able to answer that question. Uh, I don't personally know. <laughs> They're all Hindus. They're all Hindus, not that I'm a, uh, Well, no, I can tell you no. Uh, I believe Selena Gomez is a confessing Christian. Uh, I don't know about the rest of them. Anyway, yes? They're all in the limelight. We have started the first step of the journey towards correct. Okay? They are all in the limelight. That, that'll lead us there. Yeah? They all have big followings. We'll, we'll go with that. They do all have big followings. Let me tell you how big. They are all in the top 36 influencers on Instagram, okay? Lele Pons, uh, the uh, top right-hand corner there, her only claim to fame is that she's a video blogger, okay? She hasn't done anything else. She, uh, no other significance other than she's a video blogger. Yet she averages 1.5 million online engagements with her every single post 1.5 million she could she could post a video that just says i brush my teeth and and that could get close to 1.5 million that's crazy isn't it yeah it's the world we live in it's crazy 1.5 million so each of these are in the top 36 worldwide influencers on Instagram. So that's, that's not just the amount of people following them, but it's also the amount of people that engage with their every post. It's a new term these days. Do you know it? Influencer. Yeah, some, some people live to be an influencer. It's, it's about, uh, it's, I'll put it simply, it's, it's leadership online where you put something forward 
And you seek to, you, there's, there's, a, there's a sense that you're going to influence people, whether it's just by uh, what you're wearing, what you're doing, the words that you say. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, put your hand up if you're on Facebook. Okay, a few people, you, you, you might be able to uh, feel with me here on this. A long time ago in, on Facebook, when you went to put something out there, a status, they would have a prompt there. And so it would prompt you what, what you could say. And the prompt used to be something like, what are you doing? Now, if you went on there right now, so it's, it's not about what you're doing anymore. If you went on there right now and see, saw a prompt, it says, what's on your mind? So no longer, I remember one of my first, uh, when I first had a Facebook account and I sat down and I thought, what am I doing? And I think I probably just said something like, um, sitting on the computer, waiting to go play soccer with my brother. Whereas now it's, it's a bit more of a philosophical thing of what's on your mind? What do you want to share with the world? How do you want to influence others? It's a different space. A different space. You see, our social media world provides an easy opportunity for us to lead others. Verse 7 of chapter 2 illustrates this idea of leadership. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. No longer is the church the centre of our towns. No longer do many seek out pastors for wisdom. We might just Google it instead. No longer are we seen as messengers of the Lord Almighty. But that's going to change. We're getting back to how God wants us to be, to fulfilling those purposes that God has for leaders, to bless God and to serve others. We are slowly getting back to that. And I believe that we're going to find, through strong and good leadership, the church find a new space to be in, in our community where we are valued and God is recognised through who we are. It does beg the question, though, how can we be influencers without having thousands of followers online. I would suggest at this stage in our culture, it's through relationships. The better we are at our relationships, the more influence we'll have in those relationships. In fact, I think if we have better relationship with people, People will seek us out when they need help. They might even seek out our instruction, just as the priests were to preserve wisdom and share knowledge. We can also be that in our relationships that we have. I, uh, I facepalm myself every time that I ask my dad for advice. 
Uh, I love my dad dearly. But I do know that I'll come to him with a circumstance and I'll, and I'll try and explain it so fully so he knows every bit of it and he gets the context really well. But he doesn't listen so well. And so then the advice I get at the end of it, you, you just go, oh, you... But I told you this, that just doesn't make sense. Oh, you missed, you missed the point, Dad. And I think the facepalm isn't because of the advice. The facepalm is why, oh, why, oh, why do I just keep asking him for that advice? Because I know the result. And I say to Sarah, I go, why, why did I even, why did I bring it up? But you know what? I ask him for advice every time because of the relationship I have with him. I probably don't often actually uh, think I'm going to get what I need from, from him, but I ask him because I love him and respect him and appreciate who he is in my life and, and realise that, that this is a person I want to give an opportunity to influence and share in my life. It's the same for us, to be leaders in our relationships, in our, in, our, in our little pockets of kingdom that Bronwyn mentioned, to be influencers through good relationship. And we're going we're gonna to talk more about transforming our relationships next week. So, for you this morning, maybe your take-home point is that each one of us is in a position of leadership. And so I want to encourage you to make the most of the influence, the positions of influence that you have. And if you don't have much influence, then your take-home point is build those relationships. And I think there's some relationships we have in our lives that we lament isn't any we want them to be better. We want to be able to have speak into that person's life and to lead them. But because of the health of that relationship, it just, we don't get anywhere. If you keep thinking that I just can't get through to my kids and they don't listen, the problem isn't with them. It is perhaps with your approach. And you need to have a think about how can I grow this relationship and change my approach because the way I've been going about it hasn't been working. If you're a kid of any age this morning and you're thinking the same thing, where you think, my, my parents just won't listen to me, my relationship isn't what I want it to be, then maybe you need to rethink your approach and have a think about how, what's a different way I can approach this so that I can have the influence that, that perhaps needs to happen in this relationship. Leaders come in all shapes and sizes and ages as well. Don't think you can't lead others because you're too young and don't think you don't need to lead others anymore because you're too old. Because it's the work of God that's important. Not, not what you're doing, but what God wants to do through you.